Welcome to Manage This, the podcast by project managers for project managers. Every couple of weeks, we reserve this time to meet together and discuss the things that matter most to you in this diverse and ever-changing realm of project management. We want to support you, embolden you, reassure you, and maybe even light a fire in areas that have grown cold. And we do that by exploring the experiences of others who have been where you are or are there right now. I'm your host, Nick Walker, and with me are the two guys who fill the room with experience, Andy Crow and Bill Yates. Andy, if our listeners are into sports, teams, leadership, our guest today is the guy they want to hear from. We're bringing it all together today, aren't we, Nick? This is going to be a good cast. Well, let's meet our guest. Mike Plant is in his 14th season with the Atlanta Braves organization, his second season as president of development. He's been instrumental in establishing a new home for the team at the newly opened SunTrust Park and its adjacent development, the Battery Atlanta. Before he joined the Braves organization, Mike was executive vice president of Turner Sports. He managed the Goodwill Games, has helped organize various phases of the Olympic Games, and serves on numerous committees and boards for the U.S. Olympic Committee. A former Olympian himself, Mike Plant was a member of the 1980 U.S. Olympic speed skating team and continues to lead speed skating and cycling organizations in this country and internationally. Mike, it is a privilege to have you here on Manage This. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. You bring a lot of experience to the table, and uh, we want to get into some of that, but, but I'm guessing that that kind of experience is probably sort of a prerequisite for all that's involved in building not only this new stadium, but, but the adjacent shops and restaurants and parking facilities, that kind of project could probably overwhelm a lesser human. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, my dad told me a long time ago, don't become a legend in your own mind. So <laughs> I, I try, to, uh, try to keep that in perspective. But, you know, if I look back on my athletic career and, and all the things I did after that in the world of sport, um, Young people ask me, what's the one word that you think would define who you are and what, uh, what, where you got your drive from? And I think it's, it's really it's perseverance. Mm-hmm. It's understanding how to persevere through some very challenging times daily or project-wise and, and don't lose sight of what the ultimate objective is. And so, you, I mean, you'll get there, and if you have to jump over, go under, push over, go on the side of the hurdle – just there's a way to get to the end and um and if you've got if you can align all the people that are with you to understand sort of that philosophy um have fun while you're doing it work hard while you're doing it but persevere through some tough times you'll get to the end and you'll accomplish what you set out to do well most recently how did you end up in the position that you're in right now the uh, the president of development well, I mean, fortunately, I'm, I'm one of those individuals, and I try to also tell young people this, uh, is you know, you've got to find something you wake up every day and kind of pinch yourself and say, I can't believe they actually pay me to do this. <laughs> um, so if you can do that in your life and when you set out on your career path, um, you know, that, that obviously is something I've been fortunate to, uh, to accomplish. I, mean, I transcended from my field of play athletic career into a world of sport, way back when it was uh, in its infancy. I mean, I sold my first sponsorship deal in 1980 hmm. uh, when I'm 21 years old, banging out a proposal on my mom and dad's electric typewriter with Whiteout. <laughs> but I knocked down $375,000 from the Atari Corporation, um, and that kind of got me on my way to saying, okay, 
I need to manage this now. Yeah. And um, and so it's it's been it's been a career path that uh, just had some great stepping stones to it. Um, but again, is you know one that I've been fortunate that I've been every opportunity I was given. I made sure that I uh, I delivered for you know what I was expected to do. As far as the stadium is concerned, you know this this is. Uh, by the way, I, I I work at a place that's almost across the street from the stadium, so I've seen okay. it. I've seen yeah. it go up. I've seen yeah. the, the phases. It is just a, a, an amazing project with not not just the stadium itself, but all of the surrounding property too. Yeah, you know we've. Um, We've had 35 teams come through there yesterday, another Japanese professional baseball team. Last week, I had FC Barcelona through. Next week, the Washington Redskins are coming through. And so we're spending time with these teams because what we, what we envisioned, what our, our objective was, is, is really the model for professional teams in the mm-hmm. future. So we've got a lot, of, um, a lot of guests coming through there and looking at it. And the one thing I say to all of them is, um, when they ask me, hey, would you do this again? And, you know, it doesn't take long for me to say, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing this again. Uh, it was a lot harder than I thought. Uh-huh. But I also tell them, look, you shouldn't do this either. And that gets a, hmm. kind of a stunned mm. look. Uh, and I always make sure I explain what I mean by that is we built two and a half million square feet of vertical real estate in 30 months. Hmm. And most developers around the globe will tell you, this, that's a five to eight year project, you know. Yeah, so, um, but you know, really had to command a a a, uh, a high standard of excellence from everyone that was signed up for it. I made sure they understood what they were signing up for. And again, we're going to persevere through some tough times here. But as we keep our eye on the ball, and that we're going to get to that finish line, and everyone subscribe to that. So, Mike, I have a question for you. Uh, as you're looking at this, you look back and said it was it was tougher than you thought. Um, in what way? Give me give me some examples of some of the ways that maybe uh, you know you you walked into this knowing that building a new major league baseball stadium wasn't going to be easy. Um, but in what ways were you surprised? Well, one underestimated my time, and also you know look. I took this role on as a quarterback of the project. I didn't understand really what that meant when we started, and I told Terry McGurk, our chairman, that, I'll, okay, I'll be the quarterback. But got all of a sudden from project management of a two-and-a-half-million-square-foot project and coordinating all of the construction activity, all the design, all the engineering, uh, to the political realities of our partnership with Cobb County, which was was fantastic, but took a lot of bandwidth. And um, then all of a sudden, next thing, realizing that we need to stack about $800, $900 million of debt together. And I'm looking around saying, okay, who do I have to do that? And <laughs> you're looking at them. So I led that charge. And, and I wasn't you know, I wasn't a debt finance guy, but I became one pretty quick. Right. And, uh, because that's all negotiating terms with banks and lending institutions. And um, and then, you know, involved in negotiating really just about every deal, every major partnership, joint venture deal with um, the small partners we have in the residential retail, our Omni partnership, Comcast, the leases. We had partners that do that. But, you know, the difference for us is that we're a developer now. We're in a real estate business. Unlike most developers, they build this stuff, they flip it, they get out. 
we're there for 30 years. Yeah. And all those tenants wanted to talk to us. They wanted to look us in the eye and have that comfort that we're the guys that are engaged and all in. So, you know, some of these leases I negotiated for, for 10, 11 months. And, you know, in the position that you were in during that time, and I guess still are in uh, throughout that, every problem becomes your problem. So mm-hmm. everything that goes wrong or that difficulty yeah. encountered comes back to you. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I adopted this, um, this kind of philosophy a long time ago, long, long time ago, is that my friends in Europe use that word problem a lot and, and all the stuff I do in the international Olympic world and cycling and that I hear in many meetings, well, the problem with this, problem with that. So I adopted a long time ago saying those are just new opportunities. Opportunity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't use that word problem a lot. And, um, and it, look, it can, it can hit you in the face all day long and mm. you just, some people react to it by, you know, crawling in the hole and saying, I don't know what I'm going to do or biting their fingernails. I, I just, I just dig right in and say, all right, mm. who's, who's at the table with me? We're going to solve this and we're going to move on. Real quickly along those lines, um, with the team that you had in place working this, did you have, did you have a good, uh, structure of people lieutenants or generals or however. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, I don't play any instruments anymore. Mm -hmm. I just need to make sure the band sounds good. Mm -hmm. And and I make that very clear to everybody. But that's, you know, I'm also a huge proponent of Mm self-leadership. I don't need to make every decision. You know, if I do, I don't need most of these people sitting around a table. So you got to empower people. Mm -hmm. Part of that high standard of excellence that I requested of everyone to bring your A game every single day is, you know, look, I mean, I had to hit myself in the face every morning when I was getting back on it at 5.36. I mean, everyone laughs about how many emails you got from me before 6 o'clock and the crows were, you know, <laughs> and the sun was shining. But um, is is um, really inspiring and motivating them every day, you know, because we were grinding. We were grinding hard. Mike, I, I love this idea of perseverance. And uh, I get the sense that you had to become an expert on things that you were not an expert on before pretty quickly or mm-hmm. at least understand them so oh you, absolutely yeah yeah because you're making decisions yeah you're having to make I mean, decisions. someone had to make the decisions right. and every day i mean i made decisions all day long mm. but that's what people you know they appreciated because they all knew i said hey 30 months got to build this got to be open by the right. 14th of april if i wasn't decisive we weren't going to get there and mm. i'm not one that's going to point the finger i mean it all all that stuff rolls uphill as we yeah say. yeah how did you avoid being the bottleneck? Probably because of, again, I, I had a lot of key people that mm-hmm. were on our project management team. JLL, can't say enough about them. Mm-hmm. One of the smartest decisions I think you know I, I made early on and told Terry this, is, this was going to be the way I wanted to go forward was to not have four or five or six different companies that had certain expertise and then expect them all to work together. Right. I put that all under one roof. JLL has a strong, strong bench of finance people, construction management, development management, retail management. And so that's the team of lieutenants that, you know, I had access to. And they're all part of the same company. So, mm-hmm. um, but it was, yeah, making sure that they knew they were empowered. Mm-hmm. And when they needed to bring a decision back to me, then they knew what, what at what level that was. But empower them to make mm-hmm. decisions. Mm-hmm. In the future, we'll be talking more about building the new stadium in, a, in another podcast, but I want to get into this idea of teams a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been a world-class athlete, a speed skater in the 1980 Olympic Games. Uh, you 
were president of the Goodwill Games. You're responsible for all sports properties owned by Turner Sports. Uh, you've been involved in the United States Cycling Federation, the canoe and kayak team, and are current president of the United States Speed Skating Team. So you're dealing with individuals a, a lot, individual athletes, but yet everybody's on a team. So we've got these, yeah. these common threads of, of individuals and, and teams working together. Yeah, I mean, look, one of the things you try to get every athlete to understand is that um, there's got to be a mutual level of respect for all the people that are there to support them, to mm -hmm. try to get them on that podium. And it's one of the things way back to when I was in the associate executive director of USA Cycling and would take teams around the world, various Olympic games. I've been to the last 18 Olympic games in wow. one shape, capacity, or uh, former responsibility. And, you know, really not losing sight about the fact that we're, everyone here in this room is going to try to help you get on that podium. Everyone mm -hmm. in our organization today is going to help try to win that World Series and do everything they can to prepare you help you, coach you, train you um, throughout the day. But don't lose respect to the fact that they're just not a hired hand here. Mm. And I think if you can create this camaraderie, and you can create this sense of um, we're all in this together, I'm the guy that throws it or hits it. You're the guy that makes sure I, I'm pieced back together every day that I can do that. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I think that just like our project, I think, you know, as I said earlier, don't become a legend in your own mind. I mean, look, I got this big fancy title, president of development. People knew I was a quarterback. That doesn't mean that anyone had less of a role in making sure that we got to that finish line. So I think when people feel they walk through that door every morning and everyone checks their ego at the door mm -hmm. and we all know we're in it together, we're all going to accomplish this together, and we're not going to do this you know, individually, that, that helps that, that um, objective get achieved. I've got a follow-up question on that. You were a speed skater. Mm -hmm. That had to influence so much of your own um, personal leadership. You know, as a leader, the first thing you have to do is figure out how to lead yourself, right? right. How to yeah. get out of bed, how to, how to eat right, how to sleep right, how to exercise, how to reach those goals. So you, you, know, you were able to step beyond that into someone who influenced others that were wired the same way to the point where they could share secrets with each other. Yeah. I'm thinking of some of these teams that you've led. I mean, some of these people have really, you know, it's almost like, okay, I've figured out for me what works best, and I've shaved time off my performance, whether I'm a cyclist or a speed skater. I don't want to give that information up for the team. And I think sometimes for our PMs, we struggle to get people on our team to, to share some of those secrets with the team. Yeah, how, how did you overcome that, that? That's probably, um, as my wife says, sometimes people might look at you as being arrogant but I yeah. think you have a level of confidence. I, always right. say, I don't think I'm arrogant, but I am confident. Right. Um, and when you're in an individual sport, you know, I always laughed about it. It was like, you know, look, I had to make sure I took a left every 100 meters, not 99 or 101. That would be yeah. bad, but, you know, I went around <laughs> circles. <laughs> right. Um, and so you're, you're in this individual sport, you take the ball out of it, and it takes a different level of commitment and dedication mm -hmm. to to excel at it and so when I look back on it I think that's kind of that's kind of helped my career because it goes back to this just four five six hours a day of dedication to try to achieve that um, that objective um, but looking at the team I mean I think one of the things I try to make sure people understand is that you know you got to have a level of confidence in here this isn't about who gets the credit mm. You know, and if it's about 
kind of keeping things to yourself and not sharing them because you're you're concerned about I got to make sure I get credit or this is my job preservation, um, you're going to fail. You know, no one should should think about who gets the awards and the credit. That's everyone's going to succeed if we right. uh, if we work together. So. You know, Mike, I'm taken back. Uh, years ago, I was managing a large IT project, and we did have one personality who was constantly um, maybe making decisions that were in his best interest, but not necessarily the best interest of the team. And, and translating that over to sport, I can think of a, a prominent football game um, not that long ago where a quarterback <laughs> – um, you know, when he lost the ball, he wouldn't he wouldn't jump on it or go after it. He was waiting, you know, kind mm-hmm. of for for team members, and um, he almost he almost sort of gave up at some point. How do you uh, in in the work that you've done in the work that you're doing? How do you guys um, work beyond that? Push back this individual. I know we've we've kind of touched on it, but push past this individual ego thing to say no, no, really, you're part of a team. The team's more important yeah. now. I mean. It's it's the big things and the little things. I mean, you got practice what you preach, obviously. So, I mean, for me, it's just natural. I don't have to think every day about, again, motivating and inspiring people. Um, I mean, I don't I don't even do it intentionally, but I'm going to outwork you. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's just I love it. It's my my instinct. I've been to Europe three times in the last four weeks for one day. Day trip to Geneva. Day trip yeah. to Copenhagen. Day trip to to Lausanne. <laughs> While I'm over there in an eight nine hour meeting right off the plane. I'm still doing 200 emails, right. mm-hmm. and so um, people don't even know when I'm gone because right. I'm staying on top of things because I, I have this responsibility. They need answers, they need direction, um, and, you know where they're asking me, and that's why the project stayed. Anything I'm involved in, it stays on course. If I commit to something, I'm I'm going to deliver. I'm mm-hmm. not going to com- commit to something and just you know see my name on the left hand margin of that piece of paper and pat myself on the back with an attaboy so and again if you you know if you don't do it if you do it for the right reasons it's being part of something that you can now see come out of the ground or being part of someone getting on that podium and just feeling this inner Hmm. sense of pride that you helped you don't you don't need anything more than that when you're looking for team members whether you're whether you're putting together uh, an olympic squad or you're building a stadium um, what kind of culture do you look for? What kind of traits do you look for in those individuals? Who do you want yeah. on your team, Mike? Well, I mean, again, I mentioned respect before. I mean, yeah. there has to be mutual respect. It has nothing to do with fancy titles. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's that's probably the most important thing uh, to me. Accountability, responsibility, because, mm-hmm. again, self-leadership. I'm going to give you areas that you own, and people are going to expect you to deliver. And so you have to be accountable and responsible. You you know, we talk about being a good communicator, being a good team member. But, again, if you don't check your ego at the door and you come in like a bunch of lawyers that think they're going to start, you know, pontificating about where they went to school. Right. And that also means I'm the smartest guy in the room. I could yeah. care less about that. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like what what are you bringing to try to help us get from the one step to the next mm-hmm to accomplish our goal collectively. So collaborate well with each other respectfully, check your ego at the door. And uh, if you add those things together and have that work ethic, I just want to tell every young person, you're going to be pretty successful. And quickly you separate yourself from the pack Mm -hmm. because all of us in this room, we all see those individuals, Mm -hmm. you know, those star performers. 
Bill, I want to ask you, answer that same question. What do you look for with team members? Yeah. Some of the keys that you've hit on, humility, that's mm-hmm. huge to me. Yeah. Uh, checking the ego, having the humility, feeling like I, I, the team is bigger than me. It's more important. I like your – I have to be careful, but I really like your uh, attitude of I'm going to outwork the team. Because I, in my past, sometimes I think I've, I've communicated that in a way that wasn't positive. Yeah. And I had to be careful with that. Yeah. Setting expectations properly. Yeah. Um, and I like, you know, when I think about the, the role that you play in the community, there's a very clear expectation as to your role as a communicator and who you represent. Right. And I think for project teams, that's a, a great thing to know. I want to know my role when I step into a project team, who is going to be the communicator with the customer or with the public. Yeah. And I think you guys have done a great job of being clear on that. Yeah. Well, and another example I'd give you as well is um, we had a, a not a doubleheader, but we had a makeup game. I don't know, six weeks ago due to a previous rain out and, you know, built a system with the staff that we had 45 minutes to turn that park around. So we had to move 18,000 people out mm. and then <laughs> clean all the stuff that mm-hmm. was there and make it look presentable for 28,000 people coming back in. Right. Well, Derek Schiller, the other president and I, we put the gloves on. We had bags and people saw that. Perfect. We cleaned up trash for 35 minutes. Yeah. And in 35 minutes, that entire ballpark top to bottom was cleaned up because mm-hmm. everyone went all hands in. And, yeah. you know, it was funny. People said to me, yeah, we saw Mike down there. And I was like, <laughs> well, why wouldn't I be down there? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and just ask everyone else to start cleaning off trash and then sit down in the mm. bunker having a cocktail. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. So that's, that's just, look, yeah. check your ego at the door. We're uh, all in here. That you've, you've careened right into a topic that I wanted to hit on with you, and it's star power. Mm-hmm. Some of the projects that we lead will have people that are on the project that they have a special degree. They're from a particular school. Or yeah. it could be something as simple as they know the customer better, better than anyone else. And there can be a tendency if we're around the room brainstorming or trying to come up with a solution, people will just gravitate to, the, to that one person. Yeah. Now, on the sports side, you've certainly been a part of that. You've been the star in the room, and you've had to kind of overcome that. Right. You've also flipped it and been, you know, the team that you're on now, you're on an executive team that includes two Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. You have Hank Aaron and you have John Cherholtz in the room. Right. So when they ask an opinion, how do you, you know, do you defer to Hank or how do you step into that with confidence and go, okay, this is my role on this team and here's what I do? Yeah, I guess it, it really kind of depends what the topic is. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're going to start talking about how to build a, a winning team on the field, mm-hmm. John knows a lot more about that than yeah. Mike Plant does. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm smart enough to know what I don't know. <laughs> Got it. And, you know, as they say, one of your greatest um, strengths is to understand your weaknesses. Right. And don't look at that as a failure or, again, just that, you know, you've got to have enough self-confidence of what your contributions are to make that work. And, mm-hmm. and believe me, when, you know, when I feel I've got the expertise to back something up, I'm going to make sure that I put my opinion on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, there are times this Monday we had a two-hour discussion about our short and long-term strategy of the, the guys on our roster. I mean, and still as we're looking forward this year, next year, and 2019 about what's going to make up getting us back to that World Series, well, I'm not the GM, but I've got an opinion about it and uh, put it on the table. So, But respect the fact that I'm not the GM. Mm. So look at Hank and John and, um, and again, the team that I, that I was able to build for this project. 
they all brought a lot of value to the table, mm. and I'm not gonna not gonna denigrate that value. Oh yeah, and I, just practically speaking, um, do you have any advice for project managers who they're observing that behavior in their project team where people are shutting down because of someone in the room? What what do you do in that case? How do you encourage them to share well, their yeah? Uh, I their mean, thoughts? as a leader, obviously, a lot of times you need to kind of draw them into the conversation because you can you know got to be smart enough to to observe right that you have people that have expertise, but maybe they're a little intimidated because you do have that that Hall of Famer or that legend in his own mind at the table. And, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, you, you, just, you need to be smart enough as, yeah. as the, the orchestra leader to, to draw them into the conversation because you know they have expertise, uh, but they might be a little intimidated. And, and, you know, you can understand that's human nature. But once you draw them in, they get engaged. And, again, you know, no one ever needs to, to get their ego involved in it. But um, – I think that's the responsibility of the leader. Mike, I've got a question for you. Um, suppose I'm a project manager for you on one of these these large components or maybe the overall project. What's the best way to communicate with you? How do I, um, how do I give you updates? How frequently are you a face-to-face guy? Do you prefer email? You seem to do a lot of it. Um, what, what works? Yeah, it's, it's, probably, um, it's probably all of the above. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I went all day long back-to-back eight, nine hours a day in meetings from one to the next. And then I'd do emails till one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning to get caught back up and the next day, you know, reset the clock and do it all over again. But, um, but you know, I, again, I always told the team that, look, you can copy me on things. I don't, I'm not one of those guys that has to feel like I've got to hit reply all and, and respond. But I'm, knowledge of this entire project was important to me. Sometimes, because, <laughs> sometimes we refer to that as an ambient awareness. You just know what's going on all yeah, around, even yeah. if you're not in the center of it. Exactly, because three months later, someone starts in a meeting, starts talking about a various topic. I don't want to just say, "Wow, I don't know what you are talking about," and it has a, a financial implication to us, has a schedule impl- implication to us. So, yeah, just understanding um, various aspects of the, the entire project was important. But then, you know, again, when it was decision-making, I mean, we, we spent eight months VE and just the ballpark, another six months VE and weekly would sit in there with a massive log with a team of people, mm-hmm. and someone had to make decisions. Right. Yeah, and that's – I know the one thing the JLL guys have said to all the other teams that have been through that they've, um, they've interacted with is that, look, if you don't have somebody making the decisions, we're not finishing that in 30 months. Mm-hmm. So – um, some people didn't like it. There was times I would engage other people on our executive team that I knew had more interest and creative interest in certain aspects of it. And I'd say, look, you got till Friday at 11.37 a.m. You don't make a decision by then, and I will. Hmm. And they learned a tough lesson a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. at 11.38, boom, we were going forward, and I didn't send them an email and say, hey, you got an extra minute here. <laughs> no, we're going. And Done. that's just right. it's a tough lesson. But right. they, they got it. Hmm. What were some of the reports that the JLL team gave to you that were most helpful? Again, I think of, you were really the spokesperson throughout so much of the project uh, yeah. going on with SunTrust Park. What were some of the most helpful things they I gave mean, you? Managing money was important. Yeah. Okay. You know, a project of this size, at one close to one point four billion dollars, two and a half million square feet, um, and a schedule that was very aggressive. That you know, I'm proud to say that you know we were either on time or ahead of schedule on every single vertical stack there, 
in either <laughs> on budget or under budget in every vertical stack there, wow. which doesn't happen much in a project of this size. And so um, budget was frequent and important. I had another two-hour budget meeting yesterday. Um, we would meet on bi-weekly, uh, actually weekly meetings on the multi-use, weekly meetings on retail, um, my all my office uh, components. I mean, residential, those were all weekly meetings with the team as we were stacking forward, you know, in design and selection of FF&E and, you know, construction and budget and all those different components. And then um, from a JLL standpoint, I mean, they were involved in all of those, but we had just weekly meetings on the overall uh, schedule of the entire project as it related back to budget and each one of those individual components. So, yeah, I read a lot of documents. <laughs> yeah. But, again, I would read them. I'd sit in every one of these meetings every yeah. single week. And then, you know, I'd run to – I mean, we spent two and a half years. I, you know, I started leading the charge and quickly – not quickly, <laughs> late in the game – shifted into letting other people run the whole traffic management engineering mm-hmm. and parking which we knew was a big big part of our right. success and fortunately as i sit here today we didn't ruin people's lives right you know, <laughs> it was three years oh my god my life is over and, <laughs> yeah yeah and we didn't ruin people's lives and, and I, I attribute that to the the team of experts the amount of effort we put in the money we put in um, and and looking at a really good plan building a really good plan that was going to make um, that all effective, and it worked. I've been multiple times. I was there on opening night. was there uh, for probably a half a dozen games this year live and for the Billy Joel concert and other things, yeah. and every time the experience has been as smooth as silk. So at least from a spectator's standpoint, it's just been amazing. That's great. Yeah, That's good it's, to hear. it's good stuff. You know, one, one thing I, I would say, um, so Uber didn't exist. 10 years ago, I don't think. I mean, right. we, we love it. Um, and, you know, it has served so many different purposes. We have a great relationship with them. But by Easter morning, so our third game, we basically had a real come-to-Jesus meeting with Uber <laughs> and said, guess what? We'll take this over. You guys, this, you're not good at on-the-ground operations. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not being critical. They just don't do that. They don't mm-hmm. operate like the New York LaGuardia taxi right. stand does. Right. And so um, we created a, a stronger collaborative effort with them to say, here's what we're good at, and we're doing this traffic management for all the rest of this, so let us incorporate you into that. You do what you're good at. We'll do what we're good at. And, and did, it, it's, did it's it help? Made, made a huge difference. Excellent. You know, and, but the numbers are, are the volume of it is huge. I mean, for Billy Joel, for example, there were over seven. I think 7,000 drop-off and pickups for that one night. Wow. Right. That's a lot of people and a lot of volume of cars. So, mm. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see, and there's more and more great information coming out. I call us the evil empire because um, <laughs> that's – for three years, that's what it was. And, I, you know, I yeah. told my kids this. They learned it a long time ago when we built our stadium in Gwinnett. And um, for four months in front of Turner Field and three months down in Peachtree City where I live – a 50-foot-by-4-foot sign said, shame on Mike Plant. <laughs> and, and my kids saw it every day, you know. And, and oh, I just said, look, you got to just let, just not yep. let that mm. kind of stuff bother you. Yeah. 
I sleep well at night because I, you know, yeah. I've got integrity and ethics, mm-hmm. and I don't have any ghosts in my closet. Right. It was all union tactic to try yeah. to wear me down, and I yeah. was like, mm-hmm. they'd send everyone in my neighborhood got every month. Hey, Mike plants a rat letter in the mail, Jeez. and you know, you just gotta have thick skin through that yeah. stuff. And so, mm-hmm. I knew that the evil empire eventually, the, all the noise was gonna like, you know, mm-hmm. die down, and mm-hmm. you're gonna start seeing more and more numbers that are coming out of. In our first 70 days, we put almost $2 million into Cobb County's general fund. Wow. They didn't have that before. Right. Know. Mike, I, can't, I cannot let you out of our studio without asking you, who are some leaders that have influenced you in the past? Who's made you who you are today? Well, you know, it sounds cliche, but we all give credit to our parents. But, my, you know, my, my dad um, and mom, my mom was a really strong project manager, <laughs> not in the workforce, but she had a plan for everything. And I, I learned my operational organizational skills from her. And, um, I mean, when I was a kid, I, well, I'd go back and forth to Europe and, you know, I, I mean, I wrote lists. There was no iPad to use, but, you know, I made sure I always had a plan. My daughter's going to get is in the project management and planning now, uh, the, the senior at UGA. So, um, and then my dad had incredible work ethic. Mm. He was a very humble guy. Um, but people respected him because of how he eventually became the police chief and built a force of just people that wanted to walk on glass for him because of the way he treated them. And so I, I try to walk around that ballpark, and every single person there go shake their hand and give them a fist pump. And, and I know that resonates with them, that they they don't feel like just the maintenance guy. You know, they're a valuable part of our team. So um, that's the foundation where I come from. And, you know, don't ever lose sight of your roots, mm. you know, and that's uh, one thing I've never done. Well said. Mike, thanks so much. It's, it's a privilege to have you here with us. Thank you. We have a gift before you go. Oh. It's this uh, nice. special Manage This coffee mug. Cool. So in between the 200 emails that you're writing yeah. every day, uh, enjoy a cup of coffee. I'll Thank have. you. I like it. It's a big one. Yes, yeah. holds a lot. Yeah. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it, guys. Well, thank you, Mike. And Andy and Bill, as always, thanks for the expertise that you bring to the table as well. We here at Manage This want to give you a little something extra for listening to our podcasts. Free PDUs, professional development units, are yours for the taking just for joining us. To claim them, go to VelociTeach.com and select Manage This Podcast from the top of the page. Then click on the button that says Claim PDUs and just click right through the steps. That's it for us here on Manage This. We hope you'll tune back in on October 3rd for our next podcast. In the meantime, you can visit us at VelociTeach.com slash Manage This to subscribe to this podcast, to see a transcript of the show, or to contact us. And tweet us at manage underscore this if you have any questions about our podcasts or about project management certifications. We are here for you. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, keep calm and manage this.